I don't think I recognized the severity of his sickness. I didn't. At that age, you 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 still think you're invincible, and I had never had anyone that was even close to me die. So to have you know these people who are part of my paternal you know family, but I've never I've never known, call me and sort of drop this sort of bomb. I think I just kind of froze. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and on today's show is Serena. She called me from Virginia shortly after I met her at the Maryland Podcasters Association meetup. She told me she had a similar experience to what a lot of adoptees feel, even though she grew up with her birth mother. I'm always thinking about empathizing with others, so I wanted to hear her story. Serena told me about her birth on a Native American reservation in Arizona, then her mother moving away. She was adopted by her father when he married her mother, but Serena never knew her biological father. When her paternal family called to say her birth father was ill, she was too stunned to act quickly, so she only met his relatives at a chaotic funeral. Take a moment to listen to the parallels between what I'll call Serena's adoption-adjacent experience and those of other adoptees. This is Serena's journey. Serena was born on the Navajo Reservation in Fort Defiance, Arizona, but her mother was only 18 at the time, living with a friend because her own mother and grandmother had moved to Colorado. Her mother wanted to stay behind to finish high school at Window Rock, another Navajo reservation. That's when she met a boy, fell in love, got pregnant. Uh, she was, she, my mom is so freaking smart. She is, God, she puts anything, anything I'll, I feel like I'll ever do to shame. She gave birth to me and then very shortly after flew across the country and came to the D.C. area and went to and did her undergrad at uh, Georgetown. Gotcha. So I think it was something like two or three weeks after after giving birth because I was a little I was a little late. Wow. Um, she yeah, I, I was in the care of my grandmother for I think my first two years out in Wyoming while my mom sort of got her academic career started here. And, you know, it's, it's a rough transition being from a reservation and living out West and, you know, coming out here, it's a, it's a pretty big culture shock, you know, coming from a very small place where a lot of the people you see are, are like you or related to you, or, you know, Mm -hmm. you have a common culture to someplace like DC. (laughs) Her mother established herself in the D.C. area, then sent for Serena when she was three years old. Her birth father, John, moved to Alexandria, Virginia, too, and they made a go at being a young family together. For whatever reason, that didn't work out, and eventually she met and fell in love with my father. So Mm -hmm. my father is the person who's been my dad my entire life. He's my dad. He's my father. That's why I kind of use the term birth father for John, because I don't. I don't really have any anything else other than pictures mm-hmm. and not yeah. even very many stories with him. I think 
you know, this sort of thing is just for the people that live through it. It's so long ago that you don't talk about it. But then at some point I kind of, you know, told my mom, like, I, I'm missing a couple gaps in my life. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. And just for the record, is John Native American as well? Yes. Okay. So I thought. Three quarters Navajo. Um, he was full blooded, and my mom is half. Gotcha. And may I ask, what is her other half? <laughs> Swedish. Serena told me that her grandmother was part of the Native American boarding school system, which removed her from the reservation and sent her away to boarding school. When she finished school, the work placement program landed her a job as a secretary with NASA in Southern California. That's where she met Serena's maternal grandfather a Swedish rocket scientist. I asked Serena to circle back to her early years back in Arizona with her grandmother while her own mom was in D.C. She, of course, doesn't have any memory of that time, but she did say, My grandmother and I have always had this intensely close bond. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, just something because, yeah, she she helped raise me when I was itty-bitty. And I, my mom, my grandmother had six kids, and my mom was the second oldest. So I still had two, no, three, I think three aunts and a uncle that were there when I was a baby. So I've just heard stories about how the girls would just take me and bathe me and dress me up and put me in dresses and bows. I was just like their little, you know, little doll. Serena said she used to go back and visit her aunts and uncles who weren't too much older than herself. She went on to tell me about her dad, Steve. He and her mother were married for only a few years, divorcing when she was about eight years old. They had one daughter, Serena's sister, Sarah. It's it's so funny because, I mean, biology is just, it, it's biology, you know. There's no sentiment behind that. It's very scientific. We've never been half... <laughs> we've never we've never referred to each other as this is my half sister no she's always just been my sister and we've always just been sisters and I'm you know very tan skin dark hair dark eyes and she's got that very very fair skin freckles light brown hair that can go auburn and like blue eyes Mm -hmm. wow (laughs) Yeah, you guys sound like you look very different from one another. Serena said among her sisters, they may not look alike, but they share many of the same mannerisms. She lived in the D.C. area most of her life, and with a 12-year gap between them, they had to work at a familial bond. You're probably wondering if Serena grew up with her mother, then how is this an adoption story? Bear in mind, adoption can take many forms. Hers was adoption by marriage. Serena talks about how she learned that Steve had adopted her as his daughter and how she felt different from her dad, like other adoptees sometimes feel with their families. So when Steve and my mom got married, um, he actually adopted me. Mm So on my birth certificate, there's his name. And I just, I have... I a weird memory of like being in um, kindergarten and like, you know how they put, they put a little laminate thing and tape it down to your desk and that's where you sit and that's your name. And you know, yeah. that whole jam, but I didn't recognize my last name because oh. I think it was still my birth father's last name. 
but I just knew that wasn't my last name. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I think that they they started the adoption process probably sometime around then. So Serena was a kid who grew up with one last name, but suddenly in school, her name tag on her desk had a different name. Serena was about eight years old when her mother and Steve divorced. They were living in Virginia. He lived in Maryland, and they would trade off visits with him. She said around 11 years old, the curiosity hit her about whom her biological father could be, so her mother tried to find her birth father, John, using an old address she had for his parents. Serena wrote him letters, and he responded that he was remarried and had a son, and that was it for Serena. Her curiosity was satisfied. She established a connection, and she didn't need anything else at that moment as a kid. What she says next is just one of the things that aligns Serena's story with other adoption journeys. I feel like I, I definitely felt different after they got divorced. And like really? I said, like Sarah's always been my sister. My, my dad has always been my dad, but they look very similar. Like you can see the similarity between Sarah and my dad. And, and uh-huh. it was always a little weird and awkward and you know at this point like I'm about eight years old and so you're just starting to kind of notice the differences between you and your peers right and so I there were definitely times where I I was starting to notice how I maybe looked like Sarah's friend like you wouldn't look at us I feel like way back then in the early 90s and think oh that's a dad and his two daughters or at least that's not how I how I felt. When Serena was about 12, her mother moved back to Arizona to pursue her law degree with a concentration in tribal law. But the move changed the game for visiting Steve. She lived in Arizona until she was about 16 when she returned to Maryland to live with her dad, basically as an only child for her senior year in high school. Steve had a different parenting style from Serena's mother. A little bit more relaxed and kind of, you know, he gave us space and we had to learn to respect that freedom and space. And when we didn't, there were consequences, which wasn't very often, but yeah. I don't know. It was just different. It was lonely being an only child. Cause I was used to being in a house filled with other people. So it was definitely lonely for a little while. Steve really encouraged Serena's creative side, taking her to craft stores and museums. But the weather in D.C. was too much, so she moved back to Arizona, where she attended Arizona State University. Right around the time, I think it was 18 or or 19 at most, my birth father's family got in contact with me and said that, you know, John, my birth father, was in the hospital and he was asking for me and that he was was really sick. What did you think or feel when you heard that? That just, like, blew my mind. Why is that? I could tell they they felt much closer to me than I did to them. You know, because when you're as young as I was, one, two, three years old, I don't remember these people. They, I can't put faces to names, and no one likes to relive their breakups. So it's never really been something that, like, I pushed with my mom to get information about. I mean... She when when I told her um, I wanted to have a conversation about it, she she had no problem with it and is is willing to you know let me know whatever I want to know. But just you know at those ages of being a kid, being a teenager, being a young adult, like it just 
seems like a really awkward conversation. <laughs> so Pregnant did, at 17, eh? <laughs> yeah, right. Your paternal family has reached out to you and said, you know, mm-hmm. your biological father is in the hospital and he's asking for you. I assume you told your mom. And, like, just tell me what I'm happened sure next. Yeah, what happened next then? I sat on it. I don't think I recognized the severity of his sickness. I didn't. At that age, you, you, you still think you're invincible. And I had never had anyone that was even close to me die. So to have, you know, these people who are part of my paternal, you know, family, but I've never, I've never known call me and sort of drop this sort of bomb. I think I just kind of froze and was like, whoa, like this is a lot. <laughs> um, I don't know this person i share blood and dna with this person but i don't know this person and i also i i have a dad i don't i don't know what i have to offer in this scenario you know i think probably i just i i didn't want to didn't want to deal with it didn't want to didn't want to think about it didn't didn't think it could be as severe as it was Serena said it wasn't long before John passed away from cirrhosis of the liver in his late 30s. His paternal family called to share the tragic news. It it definitely hit me. It had a bigger impact then. Serena was in college, broke, and unable to travel to the funeral. So she talked to Steve, who gave her some money to make the trip. But she said the decision to go through with the trip was a tough one to make. It, It took me a while to kind of wrestle with do I go? Do I not go? And ultimately, yeah, I came down to talking to my dad about it because, I mean, he's. I didn't. I didn't want him to feel bad if I went. I didn't know how he would feel, but I didn't want him to feel like it was in any way lessening my love and feelings for him by going and and kind of like wrapping this up. Yeah. Um. He's and he's a smart, he's a smart, caring guy. So I think you know he got that, <laughs> and was you know willing to help support me in in going up there and and sort of getting this closure that I needed. I was born on the reservation, but I've never I've never grown up on a reservation. Mm-hmm. I've I've never been fully exposed to a lot of you know what what goes on there at that point. Mm-hmm. And we went to the funeral and the funeral uh, was a mess. You, you are not going to believe this. So it was, a, I guess what's considered to be a traditional burial, nothing too fancy. Like, you know, it, it's a desert up there. I just remember it being, you know, dirt ground and, everyone's like standing there and I'm, I'm kind of in the front. Uh, Oh, and there's, you know, the pile of dirt and you see the pallbearers coming. And I just, uh, it occurred to me, I was like, how, how are they going to walk around this dirt? How, how are they going to lower this in, into the, into the hole in the ground? And it all happened pretty quickly. And all of a sudden, 
someone slipped or something happened and the casket goes head first into the ground and just flips over. Oh no. There is this horrible like cracking sound and then all the women just scream and then everyone starts to scramble and at that point it's like it's it's a the casket's in the ground but it's you know just went in head first and flipped over so essentially i think the body would be laying uh, like face down oh no that's one of those things i'll never forget after they sorted that all out i don't even remember what they did i just remember just like the the shock and horror of it all the i guess like funeral reception there were just so many people that that were coming up to me and and hugging me and and introducing themselves to me and and you know all people that you know it it was a real honor to feel so much so much love from these people that were to me strangers but to them you know it, it really felt like i was like i was family Serena said it was hard to reconcile her feelings as a stranger with their open welcome as John's daughter. During the eulogy, someone commented that John had moved to Virginia to be with his daughter Serena, but she couldn't remember ever living with the man. She was only three. One really poignant moment did happen in the midst of all the awkwardness. My paternal grandfather was just overjoyed to see me. Really? And he's just... Yeah, like this old skinny man, and I—I I don't even remember that. Like we really talked that much because I—I mean I don't know how old he he was, but my boyfriend at the time had said, "Wow, like to see that, you know, to see how happy you've made this man, you know, like you—you you really should try to." you know, keep in touch with the side of your family. It, you know, it, it clearly left a mark on him how, how happy it made my paternal grandfather to, to see me and hug me and, and reconnect with me Yeah, in that, in that arena. All of this happened in the early 2000s. Serena met her paternal sibling, Mike, whom she keeps in touch with online these days. She doesn't travel to Arizona very often, so she's hoping to see him the next time she's in Phoenix. Serena said after the funeral, there was no huge crucial conversation with her mother or her adopted father. So I asked her what she thought about when she reflects on never meeting John. Mainly just like we were talking about before, the ways that and the mannerisms that, that families share that, that you don't always pick up on until later. You know, what, what are the weird, quirky things that that I do that, you know, may have come from him. My mom is in no way artistically inclined, but from what I understand, like he was pretty good at some art things. There's parts of you physically that, that don't match up to sides of your family. Yeah. And, and, but you can see how they match up for, you know, I can see what, what physical traits Sarah got from, my mom and my dad. I can see the physical traits that Catherine and Michael got from our mom and and their dad. Mm -hmm. I don't really have any other point of comparison aside from, you know, pictures that my mom gave me 
from when I was a baby with the two of them or, you know, you know, it's like I can see parts of my facial structure that's different, that's more similar to him, but I've never seen that. Yeah, that's interesting. And you're right. You don't get the benefit of hearing the similar quirks and the stories of things that you have been interested in that he's also interested in or what have you. It's it's tough when you don't get to meet a biological parent. Fascinating, Serena. This has been really interesting. <laughs> you know, everybody's story is so different. And, you know, the fact that your father adopted you, divorced your mother, but, you know, really did continue to be your dad. You know, not all dads do that. Oh, yeah. No. And uh, No, yeah. Yeah. Steve sounds like a really good guy. and uh, He is. I'm sorry you didn't He's get to meet John. I think that could have been really meaningful. Well, thank you so much for calling. I appreciate your time today. Of course. It's my pleasure. It's, it's nice. I like having these conversations that, you know, you don't just have. <laughs> yeah, right. These aren't the kinds of things that just come up. Thank you so much, Damon. You're welcome. All the best to you, Serena. Take care. I'll see you at the next, po- next podcast meetup. Okay. All right, then. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Hey, it's me. What I heard in Serena's story is a lot of the same emotional roller coaster that, for lack of a better term, traditional adoptees feel when we're trying to figure out who we are. There was the change of identity when she was young, but old enough to know that her last name was changed. There was the loyalty she felt to Steve while wondering who John was as the man who was one half of her earthly life. And Serena talked about not wanting to press her mother for details about the circumstances of her birth and her introduction to new siblings she had never met. I think you see now why I called her experience adoption adjacent. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Serena's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn, who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can choose to share your whole story, maintain some privacy about parts of your journey, or share completely anonymously. You can find the show at facebook.com slash whaireally, or follow me on Twitter at whaireally. And please, if you like the show, you can support me at patreon.com slash whaireally. You can subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, it would mean so much to me if you would take a moment to share a rating or leave a comment. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too.